Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Leafs podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio. You can find me on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Hit up the show on Twitter as well at Lockdown Leafs. I also ask that you subscribe to the show on all podcasts and platforms if you like what you hear today. You can definitely check it out all across, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, today we're going to have a special guest, another friend of the show, coming back to chat with us. Heart of Lad from Pension Plan Puppets is with us. Heart of, thanks for coming on. Hey, Mike. Uh, thanks for calling me a special guest. <laughs> hey, man. All my guests are special, Aww. which I guess maybe that doesn't make you feel so special today. <laughs> <laughs> No, man, I love I love having you on. Honestly, I think you're one of the more underrated content creators in Toronto when it comes to the Leafs and and the Marlies, and and that's really what we're going to chat about today, pretty much. Um, the AHL officially canceling their season yesterday, effectively ending the Marlies year, which. I mean, it's not overly surprising news with the way that, you know, a lot of of things are being canceled kind of week by week uh, all around the world due to, to COVID. Um, but nonetheless, uh, a nice piece of news that we can sit here and talk about. And I guess we can kind of reflect on the season that the Marlies had because it was a little bit of a, a windy up and down, a lot of changes type season for the Marlies. So, uh, but first, before we get into that, you know, did you have a reaction at all to yesterday's news of them finally officially ending the, the AHL season? Yeah, um, I think when, when I heard the news, I think it was early last week, we kind of knew that they were going to have a Board of Governors call and something was going to happen. Um, the AHL insiders, who are amazing at the jobs, all of them, um, they kind of pretty much, you know, the writing was on the wall that the season was going to end. Um, they can't really afford to run a playoff the way the NHL can. So uh, we weren't really surprised. We were kind of interested on what was going to happen for um you know, ticket refunds and for um, like AHL TV and, and things like that and what's going to happen with affiliates and um, those things. Uh, all of that has, you know, turned out to be pretty nice. Um, a lot of NHL teams are being very helpful to the, to the AHL um, affiliates. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a, a pretty nice community and everyone's help, trying to help each other out. Um, the, the, the league uh, provided refunds for all their, services like for for the AHL TV and for tickets so that was kind of the thing that we were concerned we were concerned about like whether you know the AHL was super hard up for cash and whether they were going to try and keep that money um but you know they they did the right thing I think um they refunded the money and uh yeah just in general um yeah it's kind of sad it sucks to see um the for a lot of fans I think especially even for like the Ottawa Senators and um uh, Laval Rocket uh in in the Leafs division uh alone they they were having amazing seasons they were really trying to you know win a Calder cup and not having one this year which is i think the first time in in league history not they're not awarding the Calder cup this year so you know it's a bit of a shame yeah so i guess essentially you know even with the uh you think about the ahl also kind of getting the the boot as well with the with the ahl so uh, the leafs affiliate the newfoundland growlers i guess technically are going to be champions for another year which is I suppose kind of a silver lining you could look at, but uh, yeah, not, not seeing any, any playoffs is going to be strange. It, you know, remains to be seen whether or not we're going to see NHL playoffs, not too sure yet. Um, but yeah. So as you mentioned, the Laval rocket and uh, Bingham, they're playing no Belleville. They're in Belleville, Belleville. now. Yeah. Yeah. So the yeah. Belleville senators um, to the, the better teams right now in the, in the AHL, uh, 
their season's essentially over. Um, they were kind of seem like they were well on the way to a championship, which sucks. But um, yeah, how the Senators you... especially like they were the Senators especially like they they had an all star team. They were young. They had tons of NHL prospects on it, like um, Brandstrom and and the like. It's yeah, you know, it's kind of remember, reminds me of the 2018 Marlies team when they had right. everyone and then they were going to go for it and then they actually went and won it. So. You know, just well, that's what I was gonna. I was gonna compare it to. Yeah. You took the word <laughs> yeah. out of my mouth. It was like Sorry. this was. <laughs> no, no worries. It was like Toronto had some young pieces that they were kind of uh, ripening up in the minors, and they mm-hmm. kept them in the minors. Uh, and then that's kind of what Belleville did. They had a lot of players who could have played in the NHL this season for a good portion of it. You know, your Bathersons, um, your your uh, a bunch of other other guys that are escaping me right now. Brandstrom, another player, but they wanted to have a winning atmosphere and kept them in the minors, just kind of season them up and ripen them a little bit and have them go on a big run which they could have done with Belleville that they wouldn't have been able to do with Ottawa and it's very you know reminiscent to the Marlies they went on a nice run a couple of seasons ago and now you're seeing you know the fruits of the labor kind of come through with with a bunch of players like you know Justin Hall uh I guess Callie Rosen technically he's back with the Leafs he had a big part in that um you know look at a, another couple of players Pierre Engvall was was on that winning team you know a lot of players ended up kind of making the leap over the next Janssen. couple of seasons Janssen yeah. another guy making the yeah. leap up to the the big club over the next couple of seasons so it's unfortunate that Belleville is not going to see the same similar run with those young guys create a winning culture and a winning atmosphere that they can then bring to Ottawa, which I mean, as a Leafs fan, as a Leafs podcast, I guess we can't be too upset about that because we don't want the Sens <laughs> winning a lot of games, especially against yeah. Toronto. But uh, now you do feel for, uh, for the teams who look like they're primed to make a run. And, you know, again, we're still not too sure about the NHL and whether or not there's going to be uh, an NHL playoffs, but there's certainly some teams that are going to be in the same boat in the NHL. You know, you're, you're, uh, you're the blues hoping to go back to back. You got to, you know, Tampa looking to, to win themselves a, a Stanley cup, you know, Boston and other teams. So we'll see what ends up happening there, but to kind of get back to, uh, to the Marlies, cause I think that's where we're going to kind of focus our conversation on today. Uh, the Toronto Marlies uh, finished the season, 61 games in the book, 29, 27, 3 and 2. Um, not as good as I think we would have expected going into the season. Uh, how about you? Did they kind of meet your expectations or did they perform below expectations? What grade would you give the Marlies this season? Yeah, I think, um, good question. I think when you make the playoffs every year and no matter how much turmoil there is in the roster and how much, you know, injuries and call-ups and all that kind of stuff and trades and all that. Um, the Marlins are always in the playoffs. They always won at least a couple rounds. Uh, for them not to be even close this year, um, I know they had a big winning streak at the start of the year on, at home, but really from that point onwards, they just weren't there at all. It's, it's a disappointment. I was expecting them to have a good season. Um, they had a lot – they signed essentially – like two first lines of uh, AHL stars, like with Alberg and Agostino and McMass uh, and, um, and a whole a lot of other players, uh, Matt Reed, uh, to name just a few. Um, they had a lot of talent on their team. They had a lot of good defensemen. They had a lot of good forwards. The one thing I was worried about was goaltending, and that didn't end up being a problem very much. But the skaters didn't show up this season. They they were not anywhere close to what we uh, expected them to be or hoped them to be. It was, yeah, it was it was a disappointing year to say the very least. And it wasn't just the coaching. I think it was um, 
from the beginning of the season onward. Like they were they were below water pretty much the whole way. Well, it's funny you mentioned like it, it's you don't believe it's it's related to coaching, but they did have a coaching change midway through the season mm-hmm. when Sheldon Keefe got hired to to you know man the big club. Did you see yep. a big difference in in the way that they played? Like, did you see the play kind of fall off a little bit afterwards? Um, I wouldn't say so. Uh, when Keith uh, left for the Marlies, I'm just pulling up the, the numbers right now. That when he left for the Leafs, uh, I believe that the the Marlies had like a 45% shot share, which is bad. Uh, yeah. It's it's not something you like to see in the NHL. It means like you're a bottom 10 team. Uh, for them to have that kind of numbers, uh, I think their I think their goals ratio was in the positive. That was just because they were running like a 15% shooting percentage uh, under Keith. That's not Keith's doing. I don't think he can uh, double a team's uh, shooting percentage compared to uh, like compared to what it should be. Um, but yeah, and then from then on, I think they played nine games without Keith or Greg Moore. Uh, Moore was with the with the uh, Leafs doing a bit of an internship essentially. Um, so yeah, uh, Keith ended with a sixty forty six point five percent shot share, which is four percent below average. Uh, and then they had uh, A.J. McLean as um, an interim head coach, essentially, while they were waiting for Moore to kind of do his internship. And he had a, he had a 46% shot share. Uh, things actually improved as, as the season went on. Uh, Moore's, you know, shot share and goal share was pretty poor uh, to start the year in the, low tw- uh, in the low 40s. But it eventually came up to about a 48, which that's improvement. That's something you can be um, – surprised about actually because the team was just not performing at all uh so for them to come out and kind of get somewhat close to 500 their goals ratio went down but the shooting uh the shots went up so yeah i don't know um uh, i don't i i i think it was the players more than it was the coaching making any major difference uh i will say more had a really tough january i don't think they won a game maybe they won one or two in the entire month and it, it just kind of ruined the team's morale uh, and it took them a little bit of time to get back until you know mid-march they, they ended the season all right we'll get back to this conversation in just a minute but first i want to tell you guys about the best tasting protein bar ever and that's the built bar they are tasty they are healthy it's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar they have 16 amazing flavors they have eight chocolate and nut flavors covered in 100 percent chocolate but also eight chocolate nut free flavors which means there's a bar for everyone they're soft and they're easy to chew and best yet they are tasty and healthy it's a great bar for a health conscious guy you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a nice delicious treat the bars are low calorie low sugar but high protein and high fiber one of my favorite kinds i swear to you i've had this one and i just keep buying it and eating it it's the peanut butter brownie tastes just like a cookie it's got 20 grams of protein 170 calories three grams of sugar and just three grams of net carbs and it's loaded loaded with protein with that 20 gram protein it's fantastic it's great i keep buying them my family keeps eating them on me so i have to keep buying and buying them again and it's absolutely fantastic and if you go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on you can get ten dollars off your first order you can use the promo code locked on for ten dollars off at builtbar.com taking a peek at, at, a, at a lot of the the stats this season and it just didn't yeah. seem like really a lot of the guys you expected to to have big years didn't have as big of a season as you thought. Like Jeremy Bracco, uh, thirty four points, but just four goals this year uh, on yeah. in forty four games, and even 
didn't he? There was a weird time where he was sent away from the team. Uh, what was that all about? Like, I don't even know. Did we get to the bottom of that? Like, I don't even yeah. remember exactly what happened with him. Um, yeah, so I don't remember what day it was specifically. I can actually look that up as well. Um, but he he left the team for 28 days. Um, personal reasons. We were never told why uh, or anything beyond that. Um, yeah, so we don't really know what happened. He didn't. He wasn't able to get back into a game before they um, before the season was canceled. But uh, he was he was with the team again uh, sometime in the middle of uh, March, and then um, the season was canceled before he can get into a game. We don't really know what the official story was. Um, they just told us personal reasons, and that's kind of what we're gonna go with. Right. Um, so yeah, he played he played those games and um, didn't play after. Uh, I think it was game forty six sometime in, in mid-February, and then, yeah, we didn't see him again. But just four goals this season after, you know, Brocco, I think, was a player that everyone was expecting to be that guy who could maybe take that next leap and join Sheldon Keefe in the NHL with another solid, productive season in the AHL, and then it just didn't happen. Like, do you, while watching them this season, like, do you have any reason for that? Is he maybe just not the prospect or the player that we thought he was going to be? Um, I think with Bracco, uh, yeah, I, I don't think his, his all-around game really evolved into anything. Um, I'll give you an example with um, Dmitry Timoshov. He was always like a top six swinger scoring guy. He never really was very good at defense, um, not really great in the forecheck. He was kind of floating around in the high zone. Um, but as he developed with the, with the Marlies, he yeah, developed changed. a bit of an edge, and he got a bit uh, tougher. Uh, you would run guys into the corners and, and fight for fight for pucks and do what you needed to do as a forechecker on, as a winger uh, along the boards. And uh, Bracco never did that. Uh, we never saw that from him. Uh, I believe most of his points came on the power play. Uh, he never really developed into a, a player who could drive play. He could set up plays once he was in the offensive zone, but you know there was never really. Um, you didn't see any dominance at five on five. And I think that's the important thing that you need to see in the AHL. Like if you can dominate five on five, you can, you can survive in the NHL and then you can move on from there and see how well you get. But if you can't dominate five on five in terms of with you, with the puck on your stick, without the puck on your stick, uh, you're not going to survive. And I think Bracco just never really had that part of him connect. Uh, he had lots of um, support around him with Rich Clune and the coaching staff. They were always behind him. Um, but, you know, it just, it never happened, unfortunately. Yeah, it, it is unfortunate. Maybe, you know, the time that he took o- away for, for personal reasons, he kind of found himself again. And who knows, maybe would have had a really strong uh, back half of the season uh, down the stretch. And then, you know, it'd be a different conversation going into next season. But, you know, uh, assuming he's still with the Leafs next year, still going to be, you know, remain to be seen. But I think yeah. next year is yeah, going to have to be a big year for him or else he's going to turn into that, you know, Nick Patan, a guy who, you know, again, a Marley player who's playing really well in the minors, but he's a fringe NHLer. And, you know, it just doesn't seem like he's going to take that next step to become a full-time NHL player. Yeah. Bracco requires waivers next year. Um, it feels like they're just going to, I think both sides want um, a fresh start. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't foresee him really uh, in the organization. If they keep him, that's, that's a testament to the Marlies and wanting to stick to their guys and wanting to work things out. But, yeah, I don't even know if Bracco will get um, a large amount of NHL games like Patan actually has had. Um, like Patan, 
as much as he's a fringe NHLer, he can play defense pretty well. Like he's okay. He's not terrible. Uh, I feel like Bracco might just end up being an AHL superstar and that's kind of what it'll be. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's a lot of guys yeah. who made a living yeah. being an AHL superstar, right? Yep. A Absolutely. lot of people. So. Absolutely. Um, any other players who kind of you, you were coming into this season and you were excited that, you know, maybe this is their season to to take the next step mm-hmm. that just kind of left a bad taste in your mouth that just disappointed you a little bit? Um, it's kind of a split decision for me between Mason Marchman and uh, Edgar Korshkov. Uh, Marchman injuries, again, can never be consistent. I think the biggest thing with him is that when he's on, he's amazing. Um, like genuinely, like, He's above a fourth-line NHLer if he's on. But when he's not, he's just takes too many penalties, isn't focused, disappears way too often, and then you kind of just – you don't know what he's doing, and he loses his confidence, and then it's just a, a snowball effect. Um, he had learned a lot. He had grown a lot. There was a lot to like with Mason Marchman before, his, before, he, before he was traded. But, yeah, I just never got the consistency. Maybe a fresh star will, uh, will, work, for, will work for him in Florida, but it just – yeah, it's just it, – it, it left a bad taste in my mouth because he has so much potential. It was so close. I really wish they had kept him and tried, but I guess maybe, you know, time ran out. Uh, and on Edgar Korshkov, again, injuries. He uh, cut his leg, similar to um, Ilya Mikheyev uh, on, the, on the Leafs. Uh, he slashed his leg and he got an infection on it. So he was out for a long time. Uh, he came back, tried to play for a little bit. Uh, Got, it, it it came up again the injury and he just never got his um uh found his form because he only he never he barely played very much and then when he did play uh he was on the third line which was always really confusing because uh when you have a guy like him who you know you need to get going you need to get um you need to see him in the offensive zone developing passing playing standing in front of the net you know doing all the things you can't do that when he's on a checking line very well um uh, i think maybe the Leafs are trying to turn him into a checker I don't know why they would do that so quickly. Uh, this was his first year. You might as well try and give him a chance to become a scorer. Uh, it's just, it felt a little mismanaged, and I wasn't really super happy with how Korshkov was handled. Uh, plus, because the team could barely score. So, you know, if you have a guy with some talent, you might as well try and get him, you know, to play with some better players. Uh, so, yeah, it's just, we'll see what happens to Korshkov ne- again next year. He's still a prospect. Um, his, he's, he's a little older. I think he's a couple years younger than Bracco and Brooks, but, uh, you know, he's still, he still has a room to grow. So we'll see again, but you know, it's just a little, another disappointing thing. It was just another bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. I mean, he, he's averaging a goal a game in the NHL. That's not too bad. <laughs> yeah. Which is, I, I, I was actually really surprised he got the call up to the NHL and did so well. I think, I think if they try him, if they really do try him, give him a good season in the AHL where he's he's a top line scorer. I think he can do it. I think he can he he can improve on his first year, and you know we'll see where he goes. Uh, just because he's a little older doesn't mean he's not completely uh, wasted, I'd say. Yeah, twenty three. Like he still definitely has time to to grow and and, yeah, and become an and, NHLer. And, yeah, and and by that I mean like years in the AHL. Like if you're if you're acclimated to the AHL, you. You deserve a couple of years to really get your feet in before you're, you know, uh, written off as something else. Right, especially the the, the people coming from Russia, right? They kind of have mm-hmm. to learn the the American game a little bit. So spending yep. a couple of seasons in the in the American league, I think, bodes well. And really, that was his first season in the American league, anyways. So 
um, you know, give him a, another year or so. Maybe he is ready for the big club. And, you know, being on an entry-level contract, that's very appetizing for the Leafs and for Kyle Dubas because, you know, the <laughs> once all these extensions start kicking <laughs> in, you know, Muzzin's extension kicks in next year and uh, they're going to have to get Riley and, and Anderson all locked up, Hyman too. Like, they're going to start needing to bring players in cheap from uh, from the Marlies again and, and keep kind of bringing talent, influx that talent right back into the, the Leaf system. And Korshkov might be one of those guys who, uh, by default, ends up getting some some decent NHL minutes. Um, so safe to say, though, with the Mason Marchment thing, you weren't too happy about trading him away for Dennis Mulligan. Um, I wouldn't say I was unhappy. I was just... It was just the end of an era with Mason Marchman as, like, the first AHL prospect. Like, the first guy who was signed to a Marley's contract, earned himself an AHL deal, and, and really made himself something. Yeah, it's just, ah, oh, it, it for, a little bit. But for me, it was more disappointing than it was that I'm upset that they traded him. I think Mulligan is a useful player. Um, I would have liked them to use him more, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah, I think for me, it was more of a why. Like Mulligan, they have a bunch of Mulligans, but they didn't really have a guy with size like Marchman had. So it was kind of a, why are you dealing away? One of the guys who well, brings to your team yeah. to, to, to bring in a guy like Mulligan, who's what, 5'9 and, and 170 pounds? Like, it just didn't make much sense to me. I don't know if, it's, if the, the, the Leafs exactly lack size, to be honest. They have Jason Spezza, 6'3", Pierangel, who's 6'5", Ilya Mikheyev, I think is like, six two or uh, something like that he's tall uh, they have height like that's not really a problem for the least um especially at the, at the bottom of their lineup i think they needed someone who can drive play and hold the puck uh on the fourth line um i don't think marcher was going to do that i think they thought uh, mulligan is so you know i think they were looking for a different type of player uh and on the fourth line they don't exactly have someone like um uh like mulligan they had trevor moore but they had to trade him uh right. for uh, jack campbell so you know, I think they were looking for someone who could really hold the puck and drive play and transition the puck. It's uh, like a fourth-line version of, uh, of uh, Mitch Marder, William Nylander kind of thing. So we kind of just discussed some of the players that kind of underperformed a little bit to your eyes. Any players who really surprised you this season and you think did take the next leap and might have a promising uh, career? I mean, maybe not a promising career in the NHL where they become a superstar, but could carve out a decent role in, in the league, whether it's with Toronto or another team. But a player who surprised you, who you think has good potential? Uh, he's a defenseman. Unfortunately, he's left-handed. But uh, Christian Rubens <laughs> is someone that I'm... Uh, I, think, I think he fully deserved the ELC he got, uh, I think, a couple of weeks ago. Um, man, I'm really high on Christian Rubens. He's a tall big defenseman who can skate like he can skate really well he's got good offensive instincts he knows where to be in the defensive zone he has everything you need in the ahl to be a good ahl defenseman he's young he's got potential so i'm i was really excited to see him move from you know as the marley's like seventh defenseman up to six and then he was in the top four by the end of the year i i really really like christians rubens uh i expect him to be in the top four this season behind Kimikavahalmi and whoever else they have potentially on the left side. Uh, I I really like Rubens. I think he's someone that uh, long term uh, Leafs fans should be looking out for. Uh, I know he's left-handed, which is another disappointment, but you know he's a good he's a good talented prospect. Yeah, and we'll we'll kind of get to that uh, in just a couple of minutes because I think that 
after the Miko Lettinen trade, there now kind of is a question mark at kind of what the, the D is going to look like because they're kind of lopsided on the left side. Lettinen does feel comfortable playing on the right, but we'll, we'll get to that in, in just a moment. Um, a couple of players that I do want to talk about uh, just to get your thoughts on because there are guys who we did see with the Leafs but spent a majority of their seasons in the AHL uh, with the Toronto Marlies, and that is two defensemen, Timothy Lilligren and Rasmus Sandin. Um, just talk a little bit about their seasons and how you saw them evolve and grow throughout the year. Yeah. Um, Sandine, uh, he looked, you know, like the number one defenseman he should have been in the AHL. Like he was very, very strong. He was really, really good. Um, played 21 games, which wasn't that much. I think the, the team played 61. Uh, so he played a lot of, he played, uh, the first half of the season, essentially, then went to the world juniors, lit it up. I think he was defenseman of the tournament. Uh, Really, really good player. Um, he's exactly what you expect from him, uh, and what you see in the in the NHL. Like cerebral, very smart, knows where to be. He can move fast enough and and think fast enough to to know where the puck needs to go. And therefore, you think that he's you know controlling the entire game, and and it's working really well from him. Uh, he's gonna get bigger. He's gonna get stronger. I think he's got a lot of potential ahead of him. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited for Sandy, and I really really like him. I can see why. The, Leafs, the Marlies and the Leafs were so bullish on him uh, coming into the team and being the top guy and uh, and pushing him as, as hard as they did. I thought it was – initially when he first showed up, I thought it was premature that they were being so bullish with him and playing him in such tough myths, but it, it worked. Like, they, they put him in the fire, and he, he uh, lived through it, and he, and he fought through it. And, uh, yeah, he's going to be great in the NHL. I think he's either locked down that uh, third-pair spot or, you know, potentially they might try and play him in the top four on, on his offside or maybe – you know, Riley on his offside, or we'll see whatever happens. But Sandine has been really, really good. Uh, he's exactly what, um, yeah, he's, he's exactly what's on the label. Uh, as for Timothy Lilligren, um, I think a lot of Leafs fans are disappointed in him when he showed up to the Leafs. Uh, it's so hard because he had a completely different season for the Marlies. Uh, when Sandine was in there, I would say Lilligren played his best hockey. Uh, I, I, I've always kind of, I've said for the last year and a bit that I, I wasn't always sure of them being partners. Uh, I think they work well together. I think they're a good partnership, but I think Lilligren's not quite as good as he could be when he's next to Sandy. And I think he kind of gets uh, left in the shadows a little bit. Uh, he ends up playing the defensive game. He ends up being the guy who, who holds back a little bit and you can't really see him play his offensive aggressive style that he's always been really, really good at in Sweden and, and, and with the Marlies the last uh He's been here three years now. God, <laughs> been here a while, and he's barely he's barely I twenty. Know. I um, know. But yeah, Lilligren, uh, amazing on the power play, amazing at five on five, amazing on the penalty kill. Like he's he's an he's a complete defenseman. I, I think he just needs some some uh, some air to breathe in the NHL, and I think he'll he'll get there. Like he, I think he's learned as much as he can in the AHL. Been a really good defenseman down there. Um, you know, he's he's tough, he's strong, he knows how to handle himself along the boards and in front of the net. Uh, at the point on the offensive side of the ice, uh, in transition, like, he's got everything you need. I think he just needs that confidence to play in the NHL and to be able to breathe and to be able to spread his wings. Definitely, and I think, I guess, transitioning now into what next season's going to look like, just a bit of an outlook, I think the fact that he plays the right side might play, might bode a little bit better for him. But then again, with the addition of Miko Lettinen, which I kind of alluded to earlier, you know, he's comfortable playing on the right side. Um, and it just, you know, it seems like 
people are really excited about about what Lightning can be. Um, he seems to have like a decent floor who could definitely play a third pairing defenseman role who can play on the left or the right side. And I don't know if you're ready to put, you know, when you look at what this team has next season, uh, they, they might have to make a difficult decision, whether that means putting either putting uh, Lilligren down in the minors, Sandine into the minors, or maybe even try and move and trade Dermott. Um, what do you think, how do you think that the least decor is going to shape up next season? If we get a next season, that is uh, once everything kind of uh, plays itself out with the addition of Lettinen. Before, yeah, before we have like a proper off season where the Leafs are able to make some moves, um, it's it's really hard to see who's going to be the third pair right, uh, left defenseman. You have Sandine, you have Dermot, you have Lettinen, you have Rosen, you have Mikheyev, you have uh, Tima Kivahalmi, who had a great season in the AHL. And uh, on any other team, I'd be saying, yeah, he should be on the third pair uh, in the NHL, but he's he's buried behind a lot of guys. Like you have you know, almost half a dozen guys who can probably play, and they're all really talented players. Um, I don't know how things are going to uh, shape up. I don't know about Dermot. I think I was saying, I think even before the Lettinen acquisition, um, when he was signed, I was always wondering, where is Dermot's ceiling and is it worth having him in ex- um, for you know more than a million dollars uh, at this age? Do you think you're, it's worth investing in a third pair guy like him? Um, unless you think he's going to be a top four guy, but even if he's going to be a top four guy, is he a number four and is that worth it? I, I was high, I had a lot of these questions in my head and I thought, you know, if he has value now and if teams are looking at him now, maybe it's worth trading him. Uh, I think the acquisition of Lettinen increases that likelihood. I don't know. Uh, he has the most trade value for a player that you don't want to trade because obviously Sandy and Lilligren, like they're high trade value pieces and you're not going to trade them. Of the players that are capable of being traded, I think Dermot has the highest likelihood. I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, unless he's unless he's convinced them that he can play the right side on uh, on the number four guy next to, to next to Riley or something or Muzzin, I, I I'm not really sure what to do with Dermot. Uh, as for Lettinen, um the transition from the SHL to the NHL is is hard. It's not that it's not going to be a one to one movement. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if they start. Um, letting into the AHL, give him some like you know 20 games to go be dominant, get himself accustomed to the system because the system in the Marlies is the same as the Leafs. Uh, get him there, get him some ice time, get him some minutes, get him comfortable, and then maybe he bring did him play up. full. That, he did play full season in the KHL before uh, after the SHL. Right, right, like right. The past sorry, year. Uh, like, right. Uh, even then, it's still not exactly uh, right. You can't really jump in, especially as a defenseman. Um, I think there are, from the KHL, I think there's only two other uh, recent examples, which is Michael Kempney and uh, Nikita Zaitsev. <laughs> we know how Zaitsev went. Michael Kempney <laughs> spent some time in the AHL before he went to the NHL, and it took him about three seasons before uh, he actually became a, a decent, you know, a, a solid NHL defenseman. Um, so, you know, I think we need to give him some time. I don't think um, the 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 Habs fans and the uh, New Jersey fans who were hyping him up to be their first pair of guy were exactly being realistic. I think he's, you know, again, a fringe guy. I think he might be similar to a Cali Rosen, uh, except two years older than Rosen was when he showed up here. Um, he was probably better. Like I, 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 w- I wouldn't put Rosen ahead of him at all, but you know, I think we can't get away, get carried away with, uh, 
just inserting uh, letting it in somewhere in the top uh, six right away. So we need I'm to temper little, our expectations. Yeah, just temper them a little bit. I think there were. I think there was a lot of hype. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, I think maybe it was like the world championship hype and some of the media finding someone that, you know, there's nothing else to talk about. I think that was a little bit too much hype than was what was worth. Yeah. Well, I think the Leafs, when you look at, they grab the top, uh, the top Russian forward out on the market right now. And then they grab the mm-hmm. top defenseman that's out on the market right now. So I think you look at, you know, the yeah. additions of Barabanov and then you also look at them getting Miko Letton in. I think, you know, it's 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 true. I think that there's a lot of hype right now over these guys because there's nothing else to talk about. Uh, so yeah. maybe that is a reason why people are are really talking about it. And if something has legs, you just assume that it's worth talking about because he's a really good player and a really good pickup. Um, but, you know, I, you, you bring up a couple of solid points. Like he is coming from a different league. Uh, where you know half of the rank sizes in the KHL are are different size, so um, yeah. you know, half of them are NHL size or, or smaller, I guess. So he he did have to adjust his play style a little bit from when he was in the SHL, which I think has people a little bit more um, satisfied, thinking that he could convert to the NHL right away. Uh, but we even saw like last year a player like Nikita Gusev who tore up the KHL but still struggled to find his footing early on in the season. A bit midway through, he started to break out a little bit more and show more of that flair that that he showed when he was in the KHL, leading the the league in scoring. Um, so maybe, you know, I agree with you, maybe Lettinen needs to give himself a month or two in the minors with the Marlies just to kind of solidify his, his American game um, in the AHL and then bring him up. I mean, the thing, too, is there's going to be injuries. There's injuries every yeah. single year, right? And you don't want to be yeah. stuck in a situation where you trade away Dermot and then both Riley and Muzzin go down again like we saw this year, and now you're forced to give Sandine top pairing minutes, and then who are you going to have? Rosen and and, and uh, and Lettinen as your, you know, your, your top six on the left side. Um, yeah. You'd like to have a guy like Dermot there if you can, if he's cheap enough. Uh, so I, yeah. I don't I don't subscribe to the idea of, oh, they have so many defensemen, left shot defensemen. Let's go ahead and move them all uh, just so that, you know, we can fit three perfectly as our, you know, first, second, third pair. I think you still need to have depth. And a move like this, I think, screams the fact that they want to have that depth because they know how it felt this season when they lost Muzzin and they lost Riley and they want to have more established and, and and higher floor players. They may not have the highest ceiling. I mean, he's 26. I don't think he's going to turn into Zidane Chara, but I think that there's still, you know, a decent floor where he could be, you know, a five uh, or, or a four if he kind of tops out at what he could be. Yeah, and also, um, the Lisa lost a depth on the left side, and as you said, you know, if they lose their two best guys on the left side, it's not going to look good. It's not going to look good for any team, but, you know, especially for the Leeds, it's not going to look good. Uh, but, yeah, it's in, it's in September or October or whenever the season starts, uh, and you have, you know, four guys vying for one spot, uh, and Lettinen's, and you know that Lettinen is going to be a better player in January with the Leeds than he is uh, in, in October. There's no harm in, in, him, in sending him down to start and then bringing him up when he's a better, more uh, uh, comfortable player. So, yeah, I think it goes in a lot of directions. And it really depends on whether the, the Leafs can trust Dermot to be a number four on the on, on his offside. I, I think by the numbers, they don't really say that he can. 
Um, but really, it's it's, it's going to come down to their evaluation. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think if I think for Dermot, it's not just trading him away. You're trying to acquire something. If right. you can get him, if if you can get something for him, you know, maybe switch a like for like defenseman and get a right-handed guy who's like a Dermot, but on the right side. I think that'd be amazing. I think that's exactly what they need. Uh, if they if they can get a cheap forward and maybe trade a forward for a defenseman or something like that, that's another thing that they could use. Uh, so I don't know if it's exactly trying to ship Dermot out for the sake of shipping Dermot out. I think it's more the idea, hey, you can get some value for him. Maybe you can get something that you could use better than uh, than a Dermot. Right. That totally makes sense. Um, but based on the amount of left shot defensemen in that system, it doesn't bode well for your man Christian Rubens or Timu Kivahame. <laughs> they, they're they're yeah. a little bit down, uh, down the depth chart. Although a guy like maybe like Joey Dushek might, potentially end up getting an opportunity strictly because he's a right shot defenseman. And actually we didn't talk about him. We were talking about the Marlies, but I mean, he finished up the season pretty well considering he started in the ECHL and then played 23 games in the a and put up 18 points in those games. What are your thoughts yeah, on him? Um, he got the points. He got the power play time. Uh, when Lilligren was up on the, on the Leafs, he got all the power play time and that really helped him. He got four assists to one game, which, you know, in a 20-something game sample, that's going to boost your boost your numbers pretty high. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if, like, Duzak is immediately considered NHL-ready. Uh, he came from the NCAA, so he's a little bit older. He's a little bit more put together. But he's still very raw. And in, and in his own zone, he's not super great against rushes and along the boards and is in front of his own net, which is exactly what you need to be looking at uh, for a defenseman. Uh, especially, like, you know, because defense is half the game. Uh, or hope less than half, hopefully. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I think he's still a little raw. Uh, I think he's behind uh, the likes of uh, Jesper Lindgren, to be honest with you. I know Lindgren has like half as many points, but he played top four minutes all season. He didn't get any power play time. He was on the penalty kill. He you know, played his minutes very solidly. He's a good offensively-minded defenseman. He likes to shoot the puck. Uh, and he knows where to be in the defensive zone. So honestly, uh, everyone's looking at Joseph Duzak, but I think he's actually farther behind uh, than uh, a guy like Jesper Lindgren, who uh, is at least draft pick. Don't tell me that, because I have high hopes <laughs> for Joe Duzak. Listen, here's uh, another thing. I here's another thing about Duzak, though. I really feel like if he he's kind of that kind of uh, a lottery kind of pick. Uh, I feel like if, if there was a lot of injuries and he was given a chance to play on the third pair, he might just, you know, surprise everyone and, and go hot for a little while and, and put up a lot of good numbers and uh, and be a really positive guy. And I think that might just jumpstart his career. But looking at it in terms of, like, what's most likely going to happen, uh, it's really hard to feel like he's earned that spot right away if he hasn't really developed the full game. But again, like he could be one of those miracle stories at the same time. If if like everyone gets injured again, like last season, uh, and he gets the call up and he gets one game and he does amazing and then he just carries that through, uh, it might happen. But you know, I, I'm not quite convinced with his defensive game just yet. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I think, you know, the, the, a lot of these guys who in 20 right. games. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a little concerning, I guess, as well. And a lot of these guys, when you sign them out of out of college, they're not always going to be, you know, top tier NHL prospects. Anyways, you just hope you sign four or five over the course of a couple seasons yeah. and hope that one pans out to be a good depth piece for you. You know, yeah, not uh, everyone. For example, 
Yeah, sorry. Uh, for example, if you look at the 2018 Marlies that won the Cup, their fourth line had uh, uh, Mason Marchment, Adam Brooks, uh, Trevor Moore, and um, Jeremy Bracco. One of those four guys has really become anything, right? So your math is correct. Yeah, like that's yeah. – I would say we so. I mean, super high on all four of them, yeah. Well, look at a guy like Jimmy Hayes, you know, super high on Jimmy Hayes coming out of college. There was a lot of people looking to try and sign him. And, I mean, he turned out to be okay. He was an all right defenseman, don't get me wrong. But certainly, I don't – or forward, but he's not anything to write home about. I think he kind of created a a fourth-line, you know, niche for himself for whatever team he can cling on to. But then again, you also get players like last summer – um oh who's the player that ended up going to new york adam fox adam fox yeah well they acquired his rights but he was going to yeah. be a, a a ufa later that summer but carolina ended up turning him away but um still you could get players like that do i think that you know dushak's going to become that probably not do i hope so hell yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly right like i'm not cheering against any of these players i really hope they do end up becoming course, great players of so, course you know yeah all right man that uh that was a lot of fun a lot of good talk i i, I missed right. chatting about sports man like there's just <laughs> there's not a lot of news to talk about so we're doing a lot of like reflective pieces here on the show talking about you know all-time team all-time rosters we're doing like some drafts and you know some what-ifs and you know, when I do get that little piece of news, such as the AHL calling quits, it just gives me a chance to finally talk about sports, you know, in the present time, which is nice. So I'm glad you were able to take some time out of your day and chat with me today. Uh, it was my pleasure. It was, uh, yeah, the, the AHL canceling the season gave me a bit of a jump start and got me back into realizing that I need to start talking about them and <laughs> writing those reflective pieces. So, you know, thank you for uh, having me on. It was uh, uh, a really good time. Of course, and you said you've uh, you're working on a couple of pieces that'll be out shortly. Uh, why don't you tell the folks where they can find that and what you're going to be working on? Yeah, uh, over at pensionplanpuppets.com, um, I have a post uh, about the Toronto Marlies taxi squad predictions. Um, it was announced on Monday that the the Leafs already have a list of players that they're going to bring along with them uh, as like the Black Aces. Um, so uh, I made my predictions of who that's going to be. There's some surprises, some um, guys that you're not really going to be surprised about. So, you know, that's up. Uh, we have another post uh, just reflecting on the season from uh, my partner over at, uh, at the site, Species, who also covers the team with me. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I'm hoping to get some more um, uh, posts out, just maybe some player profiles, uh, just an overall uh, talk about how the season went and uh, dissecting it. So uh, you can find all of that at PensionPlanPuppets.com and um, over on my Twitter at HardFLad. Yeah, definitely go check him out, Hard of. Uh, like I said earlier in the episode, one of the underrated uh, Leafs content creators in the city. Uh, that's going to do it for thank us here you. today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Hard of at Hard of Lad. Uh, if you're still looking for some more hockey talk, go check out Locked On NHL. You can check it out on all uh, all podcasts and platforms to receive some more hockey talk. But until then, be sure to check back in later this week. We'll have another episode for you. Until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.